You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solace. That that introduction, now, it might sound egotistical, um, but, I, you know, I spent a lot of time in it, so I feel like I, I can brag a little bit. Um, but I love that introduction. If you don't listen to it in your car or on a nice set of headphones, um, that is Monument Studios as the company that does an amazing sound effects um, design. So they built it and I put it all together. Um, the actual trailer is a minute, minute and a half long, and that's a lot more of that. So if you like the sound of the rockets, um, the afterburners, everything, it, it's actually a really decent trailer. Probably one of my favorite trailers I've done uh, in content creation, but it gets me fired up. I'm ready to roll. Hello. <laughs> how's how's everybody doing? Uh, whether you are joining us on YouTube and you're watching my ugly mug, um, or if you're tuning in, um, thank you for inviting me into your car, into your home, uh, into your gym, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. Um, it's definitely one of the, my highlights in the week, and, and I've got a lot of them. <laughs> I have a lot of them. So I have a seven-year-old son. I have a four-year-old daughter. Uh, both are in Taekwondo. It's the most hilarious, most cute thing in the world. Um, but my daughter is also in dance, so I'm just constantly doing things, just one night after another. Um, but this is one of my favorite nights that I get to just sit down, decompress with all of you. And I can say that our, our community is growing so fast. Uh, this is episode seven and we're at 56 YouTube subscribers. We're at over 800 unique listeners on podcast over seven platforms. It is moving and we are doing some really awesome things um, as a beyond the verse community. So Love you all. Uh, welcome to the show. Again, this is episode seven. Let's get into the agenda real quick. We're going to have to move hot and heavy. Um, I want to stay within the hour. We're already four minutes in. Um, so let's go through the agenda real quick. I want to catch everybody up from, I guess, last show to today. And then let's talk um, a little bit about, about what was what was released um, uh, with 320 coming down the pipeline, 319 in the PTU, uh, and then we'll obviously get into our Lord D dive. So agenda time. We will not be having a community spotlight today. Um, we have something very special planned in the next couple of episodes uh, with a, a very uh, a very popular, very well-known content creator. So that's gonna be exciting, stay tuned for that. But we're gonna skip over the community spotlight for this week because we have so much to discuss. 
So we're skipping over that. We're gonna go into Jump Point. So Jump Point released uh, last week, Friday if I'm not mistaken, uh, but it released and it covers rebuilding of Loreville, a, l- a little blurb about Anvil, Aerospace, Invictus Launch Week, the Bingle Carrier, which I, so much to talk about, so much to unpack there. Uh, and then it gets into a portfolio of, of a mining company called Pyrotechnic Amalgamated. Uh, which is, I'm not going to ruin it, but it's it's actually a, it's kind of an Easter egg. You don't really know what you're reading until the very end. Um, so we'll get into that here in a second. Uh, and then there's a teaser at the very end of Jump Point uh, that hints at a, a future ship. Super exciting. We'll get into 319 live in the PTU. Um, it's been live for the last week for wave one, um, which does go into the locations of Loreville Cityscape, the gameplay uh, additions of the new player experience, salvage contracts, Ghost Hollow PVP, uh, work on the tractor beam attachment and detachment functionality, and then the RSI links. Can't wait to get into that. There was an RSI launcher update, very small. It'll take two. I'm going to go and discuss it. There was an RSI launcher update 1.6.6. It's only two fixes. It's fix on acknowledged modal uh, our model and then uh, detects uh, Linux users for analysis. We won't revisit it, but I owe you the updates for each week. That's part of it. And then we'll talk about Jumptown 2.0. Some stories that I've had uh, personally with Jumptown. 2.0, 2.0, uh, but this is Jumptown 2.1. It's going to debut May 5th. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, there was a subscriber flare drop. There's a roadmap roundup that we'll want to discuss. We'll go into today's episode of Inside Star Citizen that aired on YouTube, uh, and then we will get into our lore deep dive. So as you can tell, yeah, we have we have a lot to discuss in the next couple of minutes. So. Since we last met, um, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that me and everybody else living in Austin, Texas, survived a hailstorm. Uh, it has nothing to do with Star Citizen, but I did post some videos on Twitter, uh, and I tagged, you know, CIG and some of the some of the individuals there, and it actually like blew up. Uh, it was a horrible hailstorm, and it's just interesting because like you think Texas, you think springtime a little bit after springtime, Um, you don't think hail, but it was literally hailing sideways. And I'm proud to announce that my Raptor's okay. Take my house, but don't take my Raptor. (laughs) But Raptor's okay, the house is okay. No broken glass, no, uh, nothing to worry about there. And I didn't hear from anybody um, that that there was some massive destruction, but that that was something else. And I lived in Texas the majority of my life. So that was fun. That same day, uh, Jump Point released. And if you are a subscriber, you have access. Uh, it used to be every month, and then they they slowed down the cadence. Now, I don't know if that's a production consideration or if there was um, uh, more of a reason as why they needed to slow down, uh, but they it did end up um, slowing the cadence where it's once every two or three months. So our last one uh, was a couple months ago, and this is the latest. This is April's uh, jump point. And so I want to go ahead and get into that and I do, uh, I do want to go ahead and screen share. So again, for those of you on YouTube, feel free watch, uh, watch the screen. I'll try to describe everything I can uh, for those on podcast. But this was a twenty-page um, brochure or jump point that dealt with a lot of interesting things. 
At this point, especially listeners of the show, at this point, there's no secrets or there's no surprise on what was released with patch 319. The major uh, release or the major change was the Loreville cityscape. And so there's a lot of discussion. There was last week's Inside Star Citizen was all about Loreville or Moreville is what they kind of dubbed it. Um, but it is a it was beautiful to watch on last week's YouTube, the Inside Star Citizen. It's something different to actually fly in and around Loreville. Uh, it is a whole different experience. It, it still has the volumetric clouds. It still feels dusty and dirty and uh, maybe industrial. Um, but again, it's so different to have flown it a couple of days before 319 and then flying it a couple of days after 319. It does feel different almost completely different um and there's a lot more scale there's a lot more uh verticality to loreville and so again if you're watching on youtube you're going to see some pictures I, I would just encourage you to go into the ptu and try it out yourself if you're one of those individuals um but there's a great article um th this is the main point of of the jump point it's called rebuilding loreville and it basically goes through kind of the hows and the whys, how they approached rebuilding it, maybe why they wanted to go for the, for the verticality and more kind of depth, um, why they went for like furnaces, which to me is my personal favorite thing about this launch is like you fly around and there's, there's furnaces that really gives off the smoke and the glare and obviously the fire, but it really puts that industrial mood um, on, on kind of the, the lore of Loreville, which will, I'm actually going to read that snippet here in a second. But as I go through and I show you all the pictures, um, I, I think what stands out to me, it's not so much maybe the rework of the verticality as it is, uh, the depth for me. Like, I feel like Loreville is, it has more depth. It's, it's deeper, right? Like, I feel like you can see further at the same time you can't because of the dust and the clouds, but there's just more to it. It's almost as if it never ends. In the video, they mentioned claustrophobia, and that's like a legitimate reaction when you're flying around Lorville. It does truly feel a little claustrophobic, uh, as you can't really see above you because the clouds, and your distance beyond or like horizontally, um, it, it's it's all vertical. So you're kind of seeing through buildings, and you're seeing through again more smoke plumes, etc. So some really awesome pictures here. Um, they did a lot of work with the lighting, with the windows. Uh, they explicitly said when you fly by, they did um, they did a real like scale to the windows, uh, which makes it easier. And this is spelled out in this jump point. It makes it easier that when they do put livable, movable space within each of these buildings, it's a lot more easier. They don't have to fix the exoskeleton. They don't have to fix the outside, right? All they have to do is roll out the inside and they're good to go. But some beautiful pictures here. Um, this image here for everybody, this is a kind of a gray box or a white box uh, view of the main, um, no, my mind's going blank. The main business center, the trade district um, in Lorville. Um, you would recognize it if you saw it, but it's it's basically that area um, near the spaceport, and you can tell the difference. And they show this picture to kind of show the difference. Again, the verticality stands out to me. 
Um, some more pictures about the individual specific buildings. Flying around these are so much fun. It reminds me of um, New Babbage, believe it or not. It's like New Babbage when you're flying around the city. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of buildings that have space in them to kind of fly through buildings. You're going to see a lot of that in this reworking of, of Lorville. And then the last piece about Lorville specifically I wanted to read was actually the lore of Lorville. It wouldn't be beyond the verse Star Citizen podcast if I didn't go into the lore. And I think um, this ties beautifully in the Easter egg I was hinting at or alluding to earlier in the podcast. But here we go. You can read it with me on screen if you're on YouTube. I'm going to read it verbatim and then we'll talk a little bit about it. So this piece of the article is called Loreville, like Lore, L-O-R-E-ville. <laughs> Quote, Hurston Dynamics is one of the oldest family-run companies in human space. Since its founding in the early 2400s by Solomon Hurston, the company has always focused on producing next-generation defense technology regardless of the costs, be they financial, humanitarian, or environmental. Ain't that the truth? place looks like crap. This approach was evident in 2865 when the then CEO Magda Hurston embraced the opportunity to purchase a planet in the Stanton system, Stanton 1, from the United Empire of Earth government. Along with providing unregulated production of the desperately required antimatter for weapons development, the investment solidified Hurston Dynamics as one of humanity's biggest and most recognized companies. However, its history of questionable labor practices, including the controversial life labor agreement, and unashamed disregard for its environmental impact has tainted the brand in owning family's legacy, particularly among a UEE population increasingly concerned with humanity's impact on nature. With such a long and complex history, we asked Gindin, Gindin, good lord, Gwyndon, <laughs> how Hurston Dynamics lore impacted the city's development. Quote within quote. The lore definitely influenced the layout, and we hope the players will notice. For instance, the Hurston Central Building, representing the austere presence of the Hurston family, is very much central to the city. All transportation lines converge there, and no other building is taller. There is also the contrast of the classes. There are wealthy areas that are higher perched with gold accents, and there are oppressed working class areas. Their habitations are close to ground level, and they are often near industry areas with heavy pollution. So there you go. It's the Hurston Central Building is what I was trying to come up with earlier. So what's really neat about that is is a lot of that is, is not like a, a surprise. If you're in game and you're walking around Hurston, you're going to see posters and you're going to hear the intercom and you're, you're going to basically live... Uh, and, and come to those conclusions yourself that this is not um, this is not a a, a labor healthy <laughs> uh, area um, I'm sure there are many OSHA violations <laughs> that are taking place uh, in Hurston this would be probably the cause um, of a lot of different movement right legal movement and, and workers um, life work-life balance and work-life healthiness. This is where it's going to come from, is this Hurston business, this industry, right? 
So I think that's really interesting. When you look at each one of the planet systems, they have a very distinct uh, feeling and background. Like you're not gonna feel that when you go to Microtech. You go to New Babbage and Microtech, and it feels gorgeous. It feels beautiful. It already feels uh, progressed. Like it almost feels healthy. It feels like you know they're they're aware um, and they're focused on like the humanity's progress in that area. So you can see the difference at every single place you go. So I wanted to call that out. The Lorville history is is amazing. Um, but here's another really awesome piece. It's still within the Lorville article, but it's coming from the development and kind of the so what factor. Why do we care that they that they redid one of the cities? Which, by the way, a <laughs> little bit of a surprise. By the way, uh, Area 18 has volumetric clouds now. So they kind of, in a sense, reworked Area 18. So when you're flying around there, there's there's deep clouds and you're flying through an atmosphere, it really feels a lot different. Now they didn't do any work with the actual buildings and the infrastructure like they did Lauraville, but they did do a lot of work in the atmosphere. Much appreciated, it definitely has a great impact when you're flying there as well. But all of this to say, um, this kind of developer insight, it's all about the landing, um, the, the the landing team, if you will. So let me just read this real quick, uh, with no with no uh, explanation or connotation. So I'm just going to read it directly. The future, Lorville's WeWork is planned for release in the next major Star Citizen patch, Alpha 319. At this stage, the landing zone team is currently finalizing their work on the space and preparing it for release. Quote, we are putting the final touches, like advertisements inside the city. We also need to improve the frame rate performance in the city, which will be achieved mainly by creating levels of detail, LOD, on objects. With Star Citizen's first city setting new quality standards, what's next for Gwyndon and his team? Quote, my team is scheduled next to work on a proof of concept for the building interiors mandate, which will eventually affect every landing in the system. There it is. Continuing quote. So what was initially referred to as a refresh of an older location has effectively become a full rebuilding with a new layout, assets, locations, and tech. We can't wait to explore Lorville and Alpha 319 and see what the team from Montreal has created. So real quick, uh, I'm gonna pull out of, of the, uh, the jump point just to say that that is, a, that is a really awesome story of what we thought was just this aesthetic or cosmetic um, change to the verse. It actually has this very deep uh, impact across every single you know, landing zone, every single inhabitable place, which you can then kind of surmise to the future of Pyro and every other system. So it's a huge, huge step for a lot of the development teams. Um, so again, just thought that was very, very interesting to get into. The rest of John Point, I'm gonna skim through. I'm back to screen sharing. There is a, a couple pages on Anvil Aerospace. So as we get into Invictus launch week, there's going to be a lot of discussion on the military planes. Anvil Aerospace has a 
a phenomenal lineup of military vessels. So it goes through and it says, you know, a little about the uh, history or the lore of Anvil uh, aerospace coming out of the 21st century and the initial push uh, to leave Earth. If you've been watching this show, you know exactly what part um, of the lore we're talking about. Um, it talks about the specific ships, like the Atlas chassis, uh, the different types of chassis for the Atlas. The Anvil Arrow, which is one of my favorite fighters. Quick aside, there's always this debate between the Arrow versus the Gladius. They're very similar in capability. The only difference, at least for me, what I've observed is that the Anvil Arrow is a lot more nimble. It's a lot more, um, it's agile. It's a lot more, you can control it better. It just has, in my opinion, less shields, less firepower, but it can escape. It has a lot more maneuverability. Had to have that aside. Moving on. Of course, the Anvil Carrick. This won the best in show uh, of 2952 which was last year. So, of course, we're going to talk about the Carrick, and that is definitely going to be um, one of the best ships still moving forward. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal ship. The Pisces, which goes onto the Carrick. Uh, the Crucible, which is a repairing station. It's not out yet, but a lot of people are really excited about um, that coming out. So the repair platform for the Crucible. Um, the F-7 series which is their little fighter jets. They look like little, uh, I'm, I'm gonna call them Hornets. They're, they're literally called the F7 Hornet, but they kind of remind me of a Hornet. Uh, but here, here's what I'm excited about, and this is like a weird, um, I don't want this to be a weird flex, but I am a concierge level that gives me the F8 Lightning, and I cannot wait for the F8 Lightning. Cannot wait for it. Um, it's gonna be a phenomenal vehicle. You, you can, you can steal one. <laughs> uh, you can steal one in game and kind of fly it around, uh, but it's not available yet. It's still in concept, uh, but it's it's gonna be. I'm super excited. Right now, my fighter is the Scorpius. Well, it kind of goes back and forth between the Scorpius and the Hurricane, but I prefer the Scorpius. Uh, it, it will be replaced by the F8 Lightning. Absolutely, there's no question about that. And speaking of which, here's the Hurricane, right? The Anvil Hurricane, just quickly, uh, both Hurricane and Scorpius, I would say probably are the two, in my opinion, two of the best fighters. Um, they, of course, are better manned uh, with a buddy, right? So they're a, a two-manned vehicle. But the Scorpius, I would say you can still fly solo. The Scorpius, you can still take on uh, very high risk, a, a VHRT, uh, bounty hunting mission i haven't had the same success with the hurricane so i'm not as confident to say that the hurricane's a good solo vehicle uh but the scorpius absolutely is you got the anvil hawk the anvil liberator the liberator is also in concept but that is a uh, a fleet transporter so something really cool to get into the terrapin which is a turtle hey guys i personally hate the terrapin <laughs> I, I do it was one of my first ships uh, that came in the pack that i bought um i had a, i had the explorer the explorer pack uh terrapin was to me worthless now i know there's some work to be done it's a defensive ship it's supposed to have these amazing shields it's a turtle it's a freaking turtle in space i just can't 
uh, I just can't do it. I, I can't do it. Like you, you load in from the side, there's a side ramp and it looks like something from star Wars. The whole inside's like red lit, almost like something you would see from like the death star. Um, you think like a Darth Vader or like some Sith is going to like come rolling out of it when you open. I don't know. I, uh, I just, I just can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, the Anvil Valkyrie, moving on. The Anvil Valkyrie is the last ship uh, that they talk about. It's a great drop ship. Um, there's, I think there's better drop ships in the game. Uh, this also is in concept, so we don't really know yet. I just like the design of other drop ships better. Quickly, it's 25 minutes and we're still in jump point. Invictus Launch Week. One of the cool things about Invictus Launch Week is you will be able to walk on a javelin. So they'll have a javelin, um, usually at like a spaceport, and you can go onto the javelin and walk around one of those massive, massive ships. It's still in concept, but um, you can, again, you can walk on it and tour it. Well, along with that, uh, you'll see flybys of the Bengal carrier. Now, the Bengal carrier is supposed to be the biggest or the largest ship in Star Citizen. Um, I pretty, I'm pretty sure... Uh, it's not a ship that you can get that you can fly. I think the Kraken, uh, the Kraken and the Javelin were the two that uh, they said would be the largest, and there's not, they're not going to be releasing anything larger uh, for you to to purchase in game. But the Bingo Carrier is what Squadron Forty Two is going to be on. So when you're playing Squadron Forty Two, your home base is a Bingo Carrier. So it's really cool to kind of see it flying by. Um, I guess that's it. Like, there's not, <laughs> it's cool to see it in scope and in size, knowing that you can't go on it. But there's a cool article about what it is, um, different attributes about it, which, again, it's, it is what it is. And then let's wrap this up. So, when I first got to the last article, it's called Pyrotechnic Amalgamated. I almost didn't read it. As much as I love lore, I still didn't, uh, I still didn't read it um, until the very last minute, like earlier today. I read the first paragraph and I'm like, okay, so there's some dude that has a mining company. Big deal, right? But if you read the rest of it, it's about a mining company, yes, but spoiler alert, it's the mining company that discovers Pyro. So you can take this one of many directions. One, they just wanted to drop something lore related to Pyro. Cool. Or we're closer to Pyro's launch than what we might think. Now, I have no data to go off of. I don't have some insider information. But it is very exciting to see them just kind of, I don't know, just kind of like uh, just just drop a little nugget in the jump point that starts to pave way for how the pyro system comes to be. Quick summary of it, uh, the mining company, this pyrotechnic um, amalgamated, uh, they discover the jump point that takes them to pyro. They're super excited about it. They file, they file for ownership or discovery with the UEE and they get credit for it. So pyrotechnic amalgamated becomes pyro. So again, I think it's awesome. It's a pretty decent story. And then they end, the jump point ends with this Mirai, the future of performance. And if I'm butchering that name, it is what it is. But that logo is the MISC logo. So MISC is coming out with a ship called the Mirai, 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 the future of performance. And it says your unfair advantage arrives May 19th, 2953. So a lot of eyes will be on this May 19th. Don't know what it is. Don't know where uh, where it's going. 
<laughs> we don't know if that's like Invictus launch week. Does that start May 19th? Right? Because usually at the end of May is is kind of this culmination where they just start dropping things during Invictus launch week. So maybe Invictus launch week is May 19th. We can surmise. And that's it for jump points. We're 30 minutes into this. <laughs> and we're just now through jump point. I think the rest is going to go pretty quick, though. So along with jump point, 319 went live for wave one in the PTU. Uh, again, that is, and I'll go and screen share again. Um, first off, 318 released March 10th. 319 is going to launch uh, in the last video, said within the next two weeks. So it's live in the PTU. We can expect 319 in the next you know few weeks. And again, it covers the locations of the Lordville Cityscape. Uh, four gameplay uh, changes, the new player experience, salvage contracts, Ghost Hollow PvP missions, and that tractor beam attach and detach is super important because you can start removing components um, off of ships, which I think is absolutely crazy and awesome. A couple episodes ago, we already talked about the RSI links. Uh, can't wait for that to happen. I am a proud owner of a Constellation, uh, Constellation Phoenix Emerald. So I'm excited to get my RSI links finally, which is the ground vehicle that comes with your Constellation Phoenix. Super excited. But as I was here, I'm like, hey, let's go ahead and talk about 320, uh, which is tentative for Q3 2023. So let's just let's just go ahead and talk about it since we're on this page. Um, again, it's it's tentative Q3. So what is that? During February, March, April, May, June. That's July, August, or September. So I personally would expect this in September. Just expectation management. <laughs> just expect it in September. But there's a couple of things coming out of 320. Uh, not a huge patch release, but we've got ship trespassing. We'll talk about that in a second. A new mission called Retrieving Consignment or Retrieve Consignment. And then for ships and vehicles, um, they're coming out with the, uh, the MISC whole C. Let's go top to bottom. So ship trespassing. This one's going to be super interesting. Quote, the interior of player ships are now considered trespass zones for those without permission to enter. Permission will, will, permission will granted via... There's a lot of like, they need to work on their, <laughs> they need to work on their inputs. Uh, permission will be granted via the party system until more complex systems for managing crew and passengers are created. Uh, players trespassing aboard a ship can be attacked by the owner. That's nothing new of this ship and any player uh, in their party without fear of committing a crime. Okay. The fear of committing a crime is the new piece, but here's, here's my question. When you board someone's ship as, as a friendly, right? It's like if I board my brother's ship or somebody in the community ship, or if I board a stranger ship, the moment I step foot on their ship, the owner of that ship gets an alert that, you know, Solace has joined their communication channel. So if I'm a pirate trying to stow away on someone else's ship, that's going to have to change. Or, or becomes irrelevant, right? That, that That's gonna have to change because the moment I sneak onto their ship, they're gonna be alerted, then they're gonna be looking for me. So this idea of of stowing away and kind of hiding and then coming out of nowhere and either you know, killing the pilot or stealing uh, components or cargo, it, it's, it's not gonna be the same. So they need to figure out, and they probably already are 
looking into it. But they need to figure out what that looks like, what that change uh, feels like for pirates. But anyways, all right, so that ship's ship trespassing, good lord. I would say that the retrieve consignment new missions and the the whole sea are are interrelated. And so let's let's talk a little bit about the retrieve consignment real quick. The description's pretty vague. It says a new mission type where players are tasked with locating critical items in consignment lists, then safely extracting them. So there was questions from the community uh, on Twitter, like, okay, what's the difference between this and box missions? And I think it's one of two things. It's either you have a shopping list, which is essentially what a consignment list is. It's a, like a bill of lading. It's a, um, you're, you're getting items for somebody else. So there's like a grocery list and you got to go get the groceries. It's either that or what I think this is more about is it's more of like a larger box mission. So they're introducing the whole C. The whole C is going to be, you know, able to carry significantly more cargo than any other ship. Um, I, I would think you're picking up like Connexes, right? Those large 18 wheeler um, trailers. I, I feel like you're picking those up and you're delivering a uh, mass amount of, of cargo instead of these like small ones SEU um, boxes. I don't know. I, I have nothing else to go off of. This is still tentative. There's no um, further information on retrieve consignment. I just, I'm putting two and two together. You don't really release a new mission like this and a ship um, so correlated or so like in sync in my opinion. Um, which whole C here it is encompasses all tasks, including design, art, audio, and tech required for the implementation of the Miss Whole C heavy cargo hauler into the PU. So there you go, and that's that's opening up the door, obviously, for the whole D is in Delta and the whole E is an Echo. The whole E is going to be insane. It's going to be huge, uh, but that needs a whole nother like loop attached to it because it can't land on land it has to be up in space so we're going to need some sort of delivery capability in spaceports or however that's going to look like so i think whole c is this kind of intermediary like middle box mission if you will and then the whole d is in delta and whole e is an echo is going to be a whole different whole different loop so there you have it I thought it was interesting to get into uh, to get into 319, but also to get into 320 at the same time. It felt uh, it felt fluid. <laughs> it felt fluid. Um, Jumptown 2.1. So I went ahead and pulled the announcement just so we could go over it uh, together. But Jumptown 2.0 debuts May 5th. And there's not like a significant amount of information here. Again, just as a content creator, I always promise to deliver straight from the horse's mouth. So here we go. Jumptown 2.1 debuts May 5th. We've upgraded the Jumptown dynamic event further with a myriad of improvements. Well, let's read about it, Jake Acapella. These new labs have a totally redesigned interior reimagined as a circular floor plan that conveniently comes with fewer doors, making it for be- uh, making for better sight lines and shooting lanes. 
A second dispenser can also be found for more expedient drug production. The entire operation has doubled in size, with a second entrance and multiple windows and skylights to make ambushes hard to come by for those hunkered down inside as well as those attempting a breach from outside. Then quickly, it says it's going to kick off May 9th or May 5th at 9 a.m. Pacific, and it'll go until May 9th at 1 p.m. Pacific. And the one thing I'll say about Jumptown, um, there was a lot of controversy uh, in one of the previous Jumptowns where like the A2 was out, so they were just bombing the crap out of anybody near a Jumptown, and like you couldn't even get to the dispenser, the drug dispenser, to participate in Jumptown. So challenge accepted. This is most definitely a PVP event. It encourages PVP. Uh, it puts everybody on a server in one area. So expect um, expect the fun of PVP to happen. Uh, but man, like I would say most people are gonna have a hard time even getting down to the dispensary. So it'll be really nice, uh, it'll be really fun to see these changes and see these updates. Though I surmise that not a lot of people are gonna be able be able to just because of its its difficulty. So my two cents about Jumptown. Moving on. Subscriber flare. Let's go. And so I usually try to reproduce these for like TikTok and YouTube little shorts. So I'm gonna go through um, I'm gonna go through the subscriber promotion kind of quickly with that in mind. So just kind of the high levels, the topics, so that people can see uh, the images of the backpacks, and we'll go through some of the details. So bear with me as I go a little quick on this. So they also released the May 2023 subscriber promotion, and for this month, it are it, it's these three backpacks. Um, it's from the Clark Defense Systems Combat Backpacks. Uh, that it's CSP, and I, I'm thinking CSP is like Combat Support Pack. I don't know. I would love for somebody to hit me up on Twitter and correct me, but I think CSP stands for Combat Support Pack. But you're getting three of them. Well. Depending on your subscriber level, you're, you're getting uh, you're getting your backpacks. And so let's talk about them real quick. So if you are a uh, a current Centurion level subscriber, you're going to get the Night Camo CSP 68 Lima backpack. It's a 40,000 SCU backpack. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite looking backpacks in the game, uh, but it's got that dark kind of Navy SEAL camo, the black, the grays, the light grays, the light blacks. Uh, it, it looks amazing. So every subscriber is going to get this backpack. If you are upgraded to the Imperator level, you're going to get the Night camo and the Cayman backpacks. It's still a CSP 68 Lima backpack, still 40,000 SCU, but this is more of like a green, um, a green backpack, maybe woodland, maybe, uh, but the actual woodland's the next one. Bear with me. This is, <laughs> this is a good looking green, green backpack. And then for an extra $5, you can get the forest camo, which is like multicam. If you're in the military and you've been around for a couple years, you know multicam. It's that brown, uh, the light tan, the light green, the dark green camouflage, the, the, the digital pattern 
uh, backpacks. So you can get those three. Each one is $5 if you're not a subscriber, but you can get all three for $15. Uh, and if you want this forest camo, you have to spend the $5 to get it. Alongside of those backpacks, the vehicle of the month is the Argo Mole. There's been some updates in 319 for mining, and so this is kind of that call to action to come back to mining. Here's the mole for everybody um, to go and, and fly around. It's going to be a little bit cheaper, a little bit of an, uh, it's not cheaper, it has additional uh, insurance to buy in the store, but you'll have access to fly the Argo Mole if you're a subscriber. And then they go into a merchandise discount uh, for some of the items there. So pretty cool update. Uh, I, I dig the backpacks. Um, in the last subscriber flare, I talked about not getting one of the paints. Uh, it's like 14 bucks for one of the paints or something like that. Wasn't going to spend it. I might spend the $5 to get this backpack. It, it, looks, it looks pretty solid. Uh, and it's kind of like homage to my time in the military. Cause I wore multicam. So I kinda, I don't know. I'm probably gonna spend the $5. <laughs> and I just realized I did all that without screen sharing. So I'll probably have to redo that at some point, but uh, for the podcast listeners, you've got all the, uh, all the information you need. <laughs> we do this live, one of the fun things. All right, we're moving right along guys. Right along. Let's get to the roadmap roundup. Um, there is a very long, I'll go ahead and start screen sharing so I don't screw that one up again. There's a very long article um, as, as all roadmap updates are. Uh, so for this podcast, we only go into the roundups to talk about high level. And we've already discussed all of this um, when we were doing the 319 and 320 updates. So we're not really going to discuss anything on this, but quickly, uh, the roadmap roundup are the ship trespass, the retrieve consignments, the RSI links, the ship trespass, uh, and the whole sea. Right. So nothing really to discuss there. All right. Inside Star Citizen. <laughs> Actually, you know what? No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. I did do a poll on Twitter um, yesterday that took us into today about what interested you the most about the 320 drop. Um, was it the ship trespass, the retreat consignment and the whole sea? And at the time of recording, uh, there were 74 votes in, so a pretty, a pretty good, pretty good turnout. Um, but the majority of you, 51.4%, are interested in ship trespass, which I actually agree with. That's going to be a very interesting dynamic uh, or an interesting change to the game. So super interesting there. Uh, and then it's the whole sea, of course. It's a new ship to fly around. Of, of course, that's going to be of interest. So 45, 40.5% uh, for the whole C. And then only 8.1% were interested in retrieve consignment, uh, the new mission. And I, I think that's more than likely because we don't have a lot of information about it. We don't really know what it's going to be to get excited about. So completely fair. So I did want to share that. If you don't follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you know, please, by all means, it's not for like a number thing. I, I don't really care about numbers, um, but we do have some of this involvement, this this community polling uh, that just adds flavor. It adds flavor to the conversation. So feel free to follow and, and get involved. Last but not least, before we get into the Lord Deep Dive, 
Inside Star Citizen aired uh, this morning, and it was a drop about uh, a new racetrack that they're developing for uh, New Babbage or in Microtech. And so it, it's a, they even say it's like a filler episode, but in production and development and and, and production and editorial publishing, all of that, um, there are, like you have your mission, you have your tasks that you have to do, but you have these side tasks that you um, accomplish. It's where you stretch yourself. It's where you get to use a lot of your creativity. Um, any program manager or project manager, even if you're not involved in the gaming industry, is familiar with this idea. You've got your deliverables, and in between those deliverables, you have the ability to stretch. You have the ability to go out and do other things. Well, this was an opportunity for one of the developers to get on and show us the different ideas that they had for this racetrack. So, I don't know. I, I don't want to relate it to like Mario Kart, but um, but different like mechanics to add flavor and um, interest to just racing around a track. So. Are there obstacles, um, icicles that drop, you know, cause it's, it's microtech, um, icicles that drop or ice patches on the ground. Is there a ramp that you can jump and kind of like skip parts of the track? Uh, just some interesting things like that. So it's about a 14 minute video. I'd encourage everybody to go watch it. It's just interesting. I encourage most people involved in star citizen to get into the development to get into those videos, the conversations, so you better understand where um, the game has been for the last 10 years and where it's going. Now, it's not gonna make anybody feel better. You're gonna feel how you feel, whether or not you want the game to be launched years ago or if you're okay with it or not. You're not gonna change that opinion, but I think it helps add color, uh, maybe some context to, to what is happening behind the scenes. So, highly encourage you to go do that. And without further ado, and we've been moving fast. <laughs> we have 14 minutes uh, to get into the Lord Deep Dive, which is the 28th century of Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Let's go. The year 2758, time capsule not in Nottingham. Published January 14th, 2758. Shout out, because that's my birthday. <laughs> January 14th is a phenomenal date in history. All right, let's go. Vandal Attack by Edward Koss. The citizens of Boro thought they were ready. They had orbital defenses, deep space scanners, auto locks. With all that, they thought they were safe. But when a Vandal warband hits, you have to be more than ready. At 1723 local time, the attack began. Fortunately, a call went out almost immediately. Local militia from around the system scrambled to their ships to rout the raiders. But it wasn't until the UEE fleet arrived that the Vandal fled like cowards back to the dark space. The Vandal attack lasted 27 minutes. In that time, 14 souls were extinguished and millions in property were destroyed or looted. In transmission. So if you have been watching Beyond the Verse and you've 
listened since episode two when we've been doing these lore dives, uh, you'd be aware that that we've been kind of at ends or at odds with all four alien races. So you have the Tavaran and you have the Vandul to our west. And you've got the Banu and the Xion to our east. Now, we haven't really been at war with the Xion and Banu, but we've had direct conflict with the Tavaran and the Vandul. And so in the Tavaran, even though we quote-unquote conquer the Tavaran, they've been teaming up with the Xion uh, to kind of create these uh, elements or aspects of terrorism, right? So this guerrilla warfare um, attacks on the populace and of the government. Uh, you're going to hear in a couple of articles like taking over communication systems, etc. So we've been at, at ends, and I, I think the purpose of this article is just the Vandal being aggressive. Um, they're not going to stop at one system. They're going to keep going uh, to more systems. They recognize that they can't go up against the UEE directly, but they're going to, uh, kind of like guerrilla warfare, they're going to hop in, create chaos, create that direct action, and then they're going to pull out the moment that they can and go do the same in other systems. So you can kind of get this sense that the Tavaran are hostile, but we conquered them. The Vandul are hostile, but they're very nimble, right? They're, they're going from system to system, and we're, we know that these are the enemy. So I think that's the purpose of this article, is to set the stage for the 28th century um, that Vandul is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Let's move on to the next article. Your 2789 time capsule, a Cold War thaws. UEE Third Fleet, Charlie Wing, SS Lighthammer. The Executive Officer's Log, May 29th, 2789. 0612, Officer's Meeting. Went through the ComSec updates from the previous six hours. Nothing startling. Report of a weapons discharge on a Reaper class in the Kiel system. A deck cannon misfired after a computer error. No impact. Locally, our mirror was holding position. 724. Reported for duty. Commander is still down with a bug. Ran system-wide diagnostic and validated weapon packages. Clear across the board. Watched our mirror run flight drills. Look like rapid deployment simulations in Upper Atmo. 11.15. Nils, or comms, sounded like he was coming down with something. All was quiet, so I sent him to medical. His second was more than capable as a substitute. 12.32. Finally got some chow. Boredom seems to be really getting to the crew. Some tippers even flared today in the mess. We'll relay to the commander and try to come up with a possible solution to relieve some stress. 1534. I don't know where to start. I was working on my battle sim assessment of the Xi'an carrier when Shaw, comms, alerted me to the news on the spectrum. Turned, a bridge monitor, turned on bridge monitors. Apparently Senator, Senator Akari from Terra independently brokered a treaty with the Xi'an. It's supposed to take effect at 1900 hours. The intersystem comms absolutely lit up. 
People thought it was a joke. Maybe some activist cracked the news orgs. Wouldn't be the first time. We couldn't honor this treaty, right? Should we arrest Akari for treason? The news wouldn't reach Earth for days or so days, so no one knew what to do. I was just as dumbfounded as everyone else, so I notified the commander who immediately reported to the bridge. 1620. Everyone's still flying blind. All ships are on high alert, looking for any kind of aggression from our mirrors. So far, nothing. This could be a Xi'an trick. I wouldn't put it past the slinks to try something this elaborate. 1902. Our Xi'an mirror recalled its fighter patrols, powered down its weapons, and backed away. I guess we're at peace. In transmission. Yeah, so that's frightening. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you go back and you read, and this is real, real world. You go back and you read um, World War One and World War Two, and how in some situations the war kept on even after treaties were signed, like days, weeks. There was still combat. It didn't just stop with the signing of peace treaties. It kept going because it took time for the message to get all the way down to the line units. It's always a very, it's a very, very dangerous time because you don't, how can you trust the news? You've been at war, you know, for however long, and now you're expected to just accept you're at peace. And the way it was done in this situation, right, the Xi'an, uh, this, this idea that independent uh, brokering a treaty with the Xi'an, that's, that's, I would have a lot of questions, especially as like a executive officer, like this individual was in this article. I would be on high alert. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's this uh, say cold war. It, it's this it's this moment in star citizen history where okay, you don't know. you're you're both at war and you're at peace, which is why I wanted to call this this series peace because it's almost like peace with a question mark. It'll make a lot more sense when we get to the last article, but we're not there yet. <laughs> Next article, 2792. Time capsule, the tide rises. And I'm sorry, if you're on YouTube, you're seeing me like scratch my nose. I, I've got, I got some serious itch going on. <laughs> it's uh, it's bad, it's killing me. All right, to the article. Day one, zero hour. Good evening. This is the SSN Cat V Nightly News for the Terror System. I'm Lawrence Wren. The systems are abuzz about the upcoming wedding between Val Messer and Celia Carter. So tonight we take a look at the designers who have been selected to dress the bride and system interrupt unknown origin. Humans of the systems. This is Tide. Pull the veil from your eyes and see. Garen II was a developing world with a vast array of species. We say was because they are no more. The Imperator and his court minions terraformed the planet, killing everything to feed their insatiable greed. Pull the veil from your eyes and see for yourself. Day 1, Hour 3 Police Comm Intercept Field Unit This is Unit Bravo 234. We've got an unauthorized gathering in Grid 14 Gulf. 
Need additional ground units deployed. Have air support on standby. Hour 5. Field unit. Get the guard. Indistinct yelling and gunshots. Get the army. Get whoever the hell you can and get them here now. We're going to be overrun. Off mic. You, shut up and gas them. Now. Com lost. Day 2. From Admiral Kale. UEE High Command. Terrorists and subjugators. Subjugators? Wow. Terrorists and subjugators are attempting to attack Earth. You are to stop all jump point traffic. I want every single system locked down. You are authorized to use lethal force on any craft that does not divert. Failure to comply will suffer swift retribution. Signed, Admiral Tel Kale. Day 3. Advocacy Interagency Memo to High Advocate Keller from Naravel regarding conspirator calm traffic. Operatives, <clears throat> operatives have uncovered how the insurrectionists are still communicating between systems despite the seizure of the calm relays. Calm messages are broken down into data segments and embedded into military communications. Analysts are trying to uncover exactly how they accessed our system accessed our system. Unfortunately, it's going to take time to find and dismantle their entry points, but hopefully this will help disrupt them long enough to get the systems back under control. We'll update as necessary. Day 18, Luther Free Press Flyer, posted in Croshaw System, quote, boots open fire at protesters. Brothers and sisters, we have just learned that two days ago, military and police forces opened fire, killing over 230 peaceful demonstrators on Vail. We have tried to be civil. We have resisted the urge to match the violence of this despotic government with violence, but now we say no more. We will no longer wage war with our ideas. We will rip the Imperator out of his throne. So strike out, brothers and sisters. Strike at the fiendish fist of your oppressor. Day 22. New United News Org Archive, published May 3rd, 2792. Quote, A New Dawn, by Declan Farwall. We have awoken from a nightmare. Those were the words spoken by the new Imperator Aaron Toy yesterday, after announcing the capture of Imperator Messer the 11th. It's a brand new day indeed. Even at this news org, long and unofficial mouthpiece of the Imperador, we are finally able and encouraged to write the truth without UEE censors looking over our shoulders. It's hard to believe, looking back, that the incident on Guarantee would be the powder keg that brought it all down. Sure, this wasn't a singular catalyst. There were incidents that built up to it from the bravery of Senator Akari to the activists who rallied all those years despite incarceration or death. Aside from instituting term limits for the Imperador, Toy worked with newly elected senators to restore the tribunal positions of old. The new High General, High Secretary, and High Advocate will work under the Imperador position, but with the power to disempower them should another despot attempt to seize control. We woke up. Though the day we're facing is unknown, we have seen how far we can fall, so we must make sure that every step we take is a step up. 
in transmission. And I'll have to dive deeper into that. That was a pretty long article um, that basically said that Messer, the original Imperador, was overthrown. Uh, and this new Imperador kind of brought in democracy, this idea that, yeah, you have a president, but the houses of government can overthrow or can remove the president from office. It's kind of the same idea. So here it is in Star Citizen. Um where in America, at least, you have an executive, a legislative, and judicial branch, three branches of government. You've got this high advocacy, high, high general, right? Um, what's the third one? Good Lord. Uh, high general, high secretary, high advocate, right? You've got these three roles, kind of the same concept, but this imperador being kind of America's version of a president. So I think we're... We kind of, <laughs> it's kind of sad if you think about it. 800 years into the future, we went away from what we know works for the most part, in theory on paper. <laughs> we went away from what works. We did our own thing for 800 years and it took something like this to get us back to this idea of a kind of a, a democratic system um, where it takes, takes a group to rule. Right. So just a very interesting uh, kind of, again, scary moment in, in Star Citizen's history where they're coming close to combat to like, uh, like a blue on blue. So we said in the military, a blue on blue force um, where you're almost you're, you're, you're killing your own. That's that's a very dangerous place to be in for obvious, obvious reasons. We're two minutes over, so I want to make sure we get to the last two articles. Uh, they're shorter articles, so we should be able to go through pretty quickly. The second to last article, year 2795, time capsule, a kinder, gentler human. So we just had kind of this uprising and an overthrowing of an Imperador. This is like uh, a, a new way, or it, it, it's a fair chance act. It's, it's the new way of policing what we do in the universe, right? So this is gonna sound weird on podcast, but it's basically what the Fair Chance Act looks like on paper. So bullet points, yeah, bullet point one, principles. Number two, a designation of developing species. Number three, terraforming articles and conditions. Number four, resources for ecological protection. And number five, judicial review and criminal prosecution. And it gets into each one of those. Section one, principles, article one. The aim of this act is to protect the lives and well-being of species, hereafter species, on planets who have not developed but possess the reasonable capacity for evolution and to intelligence based on the responsibility of human beings for their fellow creatures. No one may cause a species pain, suffering, or harm without good reason. Section 2. Designation of Developing Species Article 2. Upon discovery of a new planet and or system, an independent panel consisting of UEE representatives, exobiologists, and corp engineers, heretofore collectively known as panel, will number one, run non-invasive scans and assessments on each planet in the system to understand whether life is already developing, number two, submit all reports and present findings to UEE Senate Subcommittee on Expansion and Development, number three, monitor and maintain the ecological sanctity of any planet deemed developing by conclusion between independent panel and subcommittee to protect development of species. Article 2 Alpha, number 1. 
Panel will develop and present system of criteria to determine what classifies as a developing species. Number two, the UEE Subcommittee on Expansion and Development shall be empowered in agreement with the Imperador and Senate to issue ordinances with the consent of the High Secretary. It may in particular, number one, classify a world as a sanctuary in which Alpha, all indigenous life forms are to be left untouched from any human involvement, bravo, any attempt to terraform or extract resources, be they biologic or mineral, will result in criminal prosecution as laid out in Section 5. Number two, divert military resources to maintain the sanctity of protected world with the consent and help of the high command. Section three, terraforming articles and conditions. Dot, 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 continued in transmission. So basically what they wanted to do with this time capsule is it's almost like our promise to the universe. As humans, we will commit to these actions. We will commit to this new way of approaching the unknown. As we explore and we get into these new systems, how are we going to conduct ourselves as the human race? What we'll find, though, in the next you know 200 years of lore, <laughs> we might have done that, but the alien races do not. And that's kind of, I don't know, another homage to what's happening in the world today. You've got developed nations that are making commitments, but it's not those developed nations that are causing a lot of the problems, right? It's the ones that don't adhere or don't have these like peace treaties that cause the most disruption. Want to make sure I stay on Star Citizen and not real life politics. <laughs> but it's just, again, it's an homage. It's like an, uh, an allusion to uh, what's currently going on in the world. Last but not least, six minutes over, let's get into the last year, 2800, time capsule, the neutral zone, and I love this very short article. At the dawn of the 29th century, newly elected Imperador Marshal Leon invited representatives from the Xi'an Empire, the Banu Protectorate, as well as a delegation of Tavarin to attend a gala celebration on an orbital platform. Attempts were made to invite the Van Duel. They were not successful. Imperator Marshal Leon quieted the massive crowd and spoke. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. That's a word that hasn't been associated much with humanity. We know, over those dark centuries, that we have been intolerant. We know that we have been distrusting we have been cruel. But our civilization has a saying that goes back thousands of years. People change. And it's true. People can change. We can change because we have seen the error of our ways. We can change because we want to. Named after the biblical ship, we constructed this ark as a vessel for space and time. A place to learn about all races, those discovered and those yet undiscovered. A place not bound to a planet or species, because placing it on a planet is to say it belongs to the species that inhabits it. No, the Ark must be about all of us, and must belong to all of us. We offer this Ark to the universe as a place to study and a place to meet. The Ark shall act as a political neutral zone, where representatives can meet to resolve problems through discourse. 
I am proud to open these doors and beg all of you to fill it with a vast and colorful history that each and every species has to offer. Let this arc... <laughs> Again, this is... <laughs> we need an editor. Let this arc stand as a testament and proud record of the lives that we have, uh, the lives that we and those before us have all lived in transmission. I think it's a really good place to, to pause before we get into more lore. It's this idea of what, 700 and some odd years. Where's my 777 years from current day we have caused a lot of crap <laughs> we have gone to war because of that crap and we continue to see engagement with the Vanduul uh, with Tavarin, Shion terrorist organizations right and it comes to this climax where it's almost blue on blue we don't know what's happening we have to overthrow our own Imperador and there's this glimpse of hope. There's a glimpse of peace that falls over the citizens of the verse. So in this moment, as we wrap up episode seven, we're at peace with three of the four alien races. Vanduul are a lost cause, but we at least can say that this new coalition can pave the way into the 29th century and beyond. It's going to be exciting to get into the next 100 and what 53 years from where we are currently playing today. And with that, I hope this finds everybody well. Whether you watched on YouTube, Thank you so much. I hope it's been fun to watch the screen share or whether you listen on podcasts in the next couple of days. Uh, it's been a blessing. I always enjoy this and I hope this has, uh, this has entertained you and informed you as is my in intent. Take care, everybody. Until next week. You've been listening to Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. Join our in-game organization, Soul Provision, by applying at www.robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. You can get involved in the conversation with your questions, comments, or emotional outbursts by emailing us at starcitizenbtv at gmail.com. Watch us live on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central at youtube.com forward slash at starcitizenbtv and follow the conversation over at Twitter and Instagram both at forward slash star citizen BTV. Once again, thank you for joining us. We hope this finds you well. Until next time, safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse.